when times are really busy and I have an exam coming up for school and, you know, I have more clients coming in or like different things like that, but it doesn't have to be perfect. And this was a hard thing that like I struggled with being in bodybuilding for so long is everything needed to be perfect. And now being more in like general health, I'm like, you know what? 80% is good enough sometimes. Hey guys, this is Coach K and you're listening to the Making Changes, Breaking Barriers podcast where we talk about you. This is about you, your path, and your mind. So I'm very excited for today's episode as I always am whenever we have a a guest on, but I think you're going to really, really love hearing from our guest today about her journey, all the different adventures she's been on and the different competitions she's done and the different sports she's been involved with. She's been involved with a lot. So I'm very excited for you guys to hear from her. So I'm going to give you a quick bio of our guests and then I will go ahead and intro her and we will get started here. So without further ado, let me introduce our guest today. Our guest today is Katie Griffiths and she is what we would call an all around athlete and competitor from hockey to golf to physique competitions, coaching and now flying planes. It kind of seems like Katie has done it all. She received a full-ride golf scholarship to Jackson State University in Mississippi, where she pursued a degree in kinesiology and played Division I golf. After two years, Katie returned to Canada and started working at a gym where she was introduced to bodybuilding. Her involvement in bodybuilding led her to compete nationally and internationally, with the Arnold Amateur stage being the largest platform she competed on. Katie had some complications with bodybuilding, which then transitioned her to CrossFit and eventually back to golf. Katie resumed competing in long drive competitions in 2019 and obtained her pro card within a year, earning a spot in the world's competition. In addition to her own competitive pursuits, Katie has also worked with hundreds of clients on their own fitness and nutrition journeys. And most recently, due to some injuries in golf, Katie shifted her career path and enrolled in aviation school as a full-time student pilot. She currently travels across the states as a pro golfer for backswing golf events and participates in charity events. So like I said, Katie has really done it, done it all. So hi, Katie. Thank you for being, being here with us today. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited for this. Of course. I am too. I am too. I mean... I'll kind of get into this more in a minute, but obviously we work together, but I never felt like we really got a chance to get to know each other really well. So I'm excited to hear more about your journey today. And I know that you're very busy. So yeah, again, thank you for taking the time to do this. Yeah, no problem. I'm, once you sent the message, I was like, heck yeah. You're like, this might be a long shot. I'm like, no, not at all. Oh, like, I'm excited <laughs> to be I'm excited to chit chat. Awesome. Well, where are you in the country right now? Yeah, so I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, right now and this is where I'm stationed out of Um, even though sometimes I don't feel like I spend a lot of time here uh, this is where I go to school and this is where I consider home right now yeah I remember when we were chatting in in Vegas so to give my listeners a little bit of background I I originally met Katie through what is still my full-time current job at Redefining Strength she was working as a coach for Redefining Strength at the time and we held a a little staff gathering in, in Vegas and so we both attended that and had obviously met virtually before that, but got to meet in person and chat more, which was really awesome. But I remember when we were chatting then, you were, you know, saying you were stationed or lived in Arizona, but 
it didn't seem like you were there very often. <laughs> and now you're, you know, working on that pilot license. I'm sure you're there even less now. Yeah, exactly. It's going to definitely take me all over the place. But when we were in Vegas, uh, that was like in the middle of a bunch of backswing events back to back. And those are the charity events. So before Vegas, I was in Alaska and then we were in California and then we were in like Michigan. So people were like, yeah, you live in Arizona, but I don't think you actually live in Arizona. Yeah. And you're originally, are you originally from Canada? Did I have that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was born and raised in Canada and Moved down to Arizona about two years ago. Okay. So you you yeah. were living up in Canada up until two years ago, pretty much. Yeah. Once uh, COVID hit and I was golfing a lot and had my pro card, my Canadian pro card, I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I might as well, I'm working online as a nutritionist. I might as well go down to somewhere warm that I can play golf. So yeah, I was like, Arizona it is. That's awesome. My older brother actually works kind of in the golf scene. He works for CAA Sports. Oh, sweet. And so he's located in jacksonville florida and i've gone out to visit him a few times and you know all his buddies are you know either also work in that scene or are pro golfers or trying to work theirself into the circuit and it's like yeah it kind of, once you're over there it makes sense that that's where everyone is or same thing with arizona because of the yeah. weather and you pretty much get to play year-round which is awesome exactly there's a lot of golfers in this area texas and then florida are like the main hubs of pro golfers and I'd say a lot of golf advocates as well, too, that are, hey, I want to play year round. Yeah. Well, well, you kind of already referred to a lot of the things that you do from golf to piloting to the coaching that you do. But I kind of want to take it back for a minute and yeah. hear a little bit about where this drive to compete comes from, from everything that you've done. And from what I know about you, you you haven't actually said it directly, but I can almost guarantee you're a very competitive person and have this <laughs> like very competitive nature. And so I'm curious w- whether that came from parents sometime in your childhood, if that's just something you always remember being is, is competitive. Yeah, so I definitely grew up very competitive and I'm 100% sure it came from my dad. We make jokes that I'm like a copy paste child of my dad because he's that competitive as well. But like my dad had my brother and then I was I say like pretty much his second son like he had me on skates before I was walking he had me doing hockey drills like when I was in grade one and two and I fell in love with hockey and I fell in love with the game and competing and my poor older brother but I was so hard on him as like competitive wise but it definitely for me it started at a young age um hockey would have been my first um spark in competing and my first eye-opening experience to hey like the competing side of sports um and then it grew into even like school sports like I played high-level basketball when I was in school and volleyball and like I just always when it came to sports it's like how can I succeed in this and what can I do to be the best on the field or on the ice or wherever I am how how much older is your brother than you he's two years older than me okay so you you guys were pretty close in age then yeah and he is a He's competitive, but he's also a very, like, quiet, competitive person. And I'm a very loud, competitive person, like, huge extrovert. Like, I will put my money on the line <laughs> against him. Like, even as a kid, if that was a thing, I was, like, I was always pushing him. And he was, like, sneaky quiet at being competitive. And, yeah, I I gave him a lot of challenges as a kid. Even if he was better at something than me, I had the big mouth to kind of, like, back me up. <laughs> but, yeah, no, so we had a lot of, like, head-to-heads. And then I have two younger sisters, but they were both more into, like, the dancing and music scene. 
So they weren't on the same kind of like my brother and I played golf and hockey and like all those sports together. That's so fun. I mean, I grew up with two brothers as well. One older, one younger. My older one is a couple years older than me as well. And so I totally get that. I was always a little bit more on the quiet side when it came to competitiveness, but I had that drive. But yeah, yeah, those battles in the driveway, whether it was playing basketball or we broke out the hockey sticks every once in a while too. I mean, they yeah. got pretty intense. I'm going to guess that was the case for you guys Yeah, too. that was definitely the case. Like we would be outside playing hockey until it was dark and then we'd go play mini, mini sticks until we had to go to bed. Like it was always just one thing into the next. And yeah, I was a little bit more aggressive than he was with hockey. That's, he moved into golf a lot faster than I did. Okay. <laughs> but, did, yeah. he, did he also pursue golf like at the college level or professional? Yeah, so actually that's what got me into golf is my brother um, transitioned from hockey um, at a younger age and got into golf and was really good. He was one of the top graded juniors all through the States and Canada and played Division One golf down here and played pro as well. And he's also a pilot, so some might say I follow in his footsteps a little bit. But yeah, my dad saw all the opportunities for females golfing from following him around and really was an advocate to pushing me into golf, which at the time I was like, you want me to go from hockey where it's so fast to walking four and a half hours? I was not a fan. But as I got older, I grew a lot of appreciation for the game and understood it more as a game over something that I just thought old people did for the longest time. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so my brother um, definitely like opened my parents' eyes to golf and that's what got me into golf as well. It it definitely seems like your dad played a big role in in this like love for sports and the competitive nature. What what did that role look like? Like what is his personality like? I mean it seems like you wanted to do all these things so maybe it didn't take like a big push but like did he coach you as a kid or? Yes. Yes he was the coach. He was uh, the traveled us around. He did everything for our sport and he had a balance between yes like you got to do good in school but he'd also go like over the top to make sure that we were successful in the sport that we decided to do and at the time like he had his favorite saying is like you'll hate me now but you'll love me later kind of saying but he had that saying and he was really hard on us and as you got older you're like hey like I really appreciate that but he had a big drive and such a competitive spirit for sports whether it was hockey golf like any sport that we were pursuing and just knew that if we put everything into it, that it could lead us to some pretty amazing places. So he held us to that expectation and to that standard, which was really cool as you got older. But when we were kids, I was like, this sucks. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like he really like instilled resilience in you and probably commitment to whatever it was you were doing and and hard work as well. Yes. And he definitely like gave us as kids I would say like the tools to believe that we can do whatever we put our minds to. I know like some people and just working with clients, like we both see that, you know, people have these blockers and these mental blockers of wondering if they're capable of doing something Um, extreme, like bodybuilding or CrossFit or all these different things. But as a young kid, he would really like pave that mindset that, hey, whatever you want to do, as long as you work hard at it, like you can be where you want to go. So I think that's, He definitely helped me as I got older, be able to be like, hey, if I want to go do this, I can go do CrossFit competitions. If I want to do bodybuilding, if I want to do golf, if I want to do whatever, like I can do it. So he kind of 
helped with a lot of the mindset of being able to do whatever you want to do. I really like hearing about that because I do I do think it is a very fine line and an interesting balance with a parent helping a kid ha- learn those lessons and learn what it means to be committed to something and learn what it means to, to work hard. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there's a piece of it that is probably feeding off of the kid's personality because not all, not every kid's going to be the same. Obviously, that was part of your personality was you were competitive and you were vocal yeah. and you, you wanted to do those things. So it helps. Right. But yeah, there's like a, a fine line there between, you know, a parent pushing some, a kid to then burn out versus yeah. pushing them to, like you said, be able to believe in themselves where, Hey, it's not necessarily hockey that needs to be the thing you do for the rest of your life, but whatever you do for the rest of your life or whatever you choose to do in the moment, you can be great at if, if yeah. you put in the hard work. And it, you're yeah. so right. Like it is such a fine line. Cause there was times where like burnout was there and he, he didn't back off, but you know, like it's, it's a fine line when it comes to kids and there's no owner's manual or children's manual on how to parent properly. So it's kind of guess and find out. Oh, for sure. I mean, <laughs> Cora, Cora and I talk all the time about, you know, well, shoot, I, sh- I should say we love our, all of our parents and our parents didn't, yeah. you know, we turned out just fine, maybe even better than, than fine, but they all just did the best that they could at the yeah, time. Right. Exactly. And <laughs> so, that's what I, exactly what I say. I was like, there's no, like, yeah, there's no way to know that you're doing it right. It's like, yeah. you're just going to find out. So yeah, I'm, I'm very blessed on what my parents were able to, the mindset and the hard work they like dive or dove into as a kid with us. And like, it just, yeah, it shaped a lot to who I am today. So I'm very grateful for it. And so you got that D1 golf scholarship. How long were you actually playing golf before? Like, when yeah. did you start playing golf? Yeah, so I started playing golf when I was about 11 or 12. And it was more just kind of like, so I played hockey all winter season. And then I played for like an all-star team, which was would be like a state team. So that would be our spring season. So from my home city, there was four of us that would be on this traveling team. And we'd go all through the spring. So it'd leave like a couple weeks in the summer to play golf. So at that time, I would like golf for maybe four weeks with my brother and then hockey season and dry land or getting ready for uh, evaluations would come up again. So I started when I was 11, 12. I didn't have much interest. It was more just kind of going out with my dad and my brother. And, you know, I was naturally good at golf and I didn't appreciate it as much at the time when I was a kid, as I like kind of do now, but when I was a kid, like I wouldn't practice at all. And I'd go out and I'd hit the ball really good. And that's when my dad was like, okay, there's a lot of potential for you in this, but yeah, I started that. And then I played both hockey and golf through most of my high school. Uh, I took two years off of hockey to really get myself noticed in the States for golf. If I wanted a scholarship, then my senior year, I went back and I played midget AAA hockey and golf and had options for both. Um, due to a concussion in my senior year in playoffs, I got hit from behind and I was out on the ice. I was passed out in the dressing room. I was in an ambulance to the children's hospital and my parents were like, okay, let's talk about your scholarship option. <laughs> so that's when it was kind of like, hey, if you get another concussion to this extreme or in a certain time frame, like you're going to struggle with headaches and migraines. So that's when it was like, okay, well, I guess I'm doing golf. I guess I'm going to go take the golf scholarship. Wow. Yeah, you answered so many of my follow-up questions I had oh, when, you started, tell- no, when yeah. you started telling telling that story. Yeah, because I obviously was going to ask what made you choose golf over hockey. Obviously, that's a pretty big traumatic experience that you that you went through. What was 
that process like? I mean, you kind of just said, hey, well, it was, was it like just obvious at that point I'm going to choose golf or was it still like hard? You had to give up this other sport that you really loved, which was hockey. It was, it was so hard. And like on the side of knowing, hey, if I get another concussion and I want to live this active lifestyle for the rest of my life, well, I could essentially put that in danger if I get another one and I take the hockey scholarship. But like my heart was set on the hockey scholarship. I wanted nothing more than to play at the school. Like there was a one in the States, one in, out East in Canada. And I was so excited for that. And, you know, even now I play a little bit of women's drop in hockey and just like the smell of the rink and stuff. Like that's how I know how much I love that sport. Uh, so, yeah, it was really hard. And like, even though playing golf and moving down to the States wasn't anything foreign for me at the same time, like moving to Mississippi was so far from my family. And I don't know, it's very different than being in Arizona before. Like I spent a lot of time here golfing as a kid. So there was a lot of things that like I had to talk to my parents about to really like dive in and not just if it was me and I didn't have them helping me guide with that decision, I probably would have went and played hockey. I probably would have ended up possibly having another concussion within the year. And then who knows where that would have led me fitness wise, coaching wise, like so many different things. So yeah, it was a tough, tough decision when you're a kid and you have your heart set on something and you have an option to go another way, but it's not the same sport that you love as much as the first one. It's hard. And, but yeah, we made it work. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, you have lived such an active lifestyle since, and yeah. I mean, you probably could have predicted that as you were obviously very active, just all through your childhood as well, that, yeah, you never know what, where, where, going with hockey could have left you unfortunately yeah. I mean that that's a really really tough decision but obviously there's other sports similar to that with with football I mean that one being the main one obviously also soccer deals with it yeah. a little bit with concussions and it can take people away from the sport just getting those concussions just gonna add in there like I've had friends that kept playing through their concussions and stuff like that and like now they can't even work out without migraine or headaches and things like that. And I just didn't want that. I knew the lifestyle I wanted to live long term. And I knew that that would be detrimental to that lifestyle if I went down the road. So, yes, it's tough when it comes to sports. Like you really have to. As much as you love the sport and you want to compete, you got to keep your mind open to, OK, like what's best for me long term? For sure. And that kind of gets me into my next question, which is to do with prioritizing your health. Like we've already mentioned, you you do a lot, right? And you've done a lot. How how have you found the balance with everything? The balance with all the travel that you do, with the balance with your competitive nature, right? Like always really wanting to be good at whatever it is you're doing, but then also keeping in mind your mental health or yeah. getting enough sleep or you know all the little things that you know you talk to clients with as well when it comes yeah. to your health. Yeah. Uh, definitely times where it's in better um like sequence than other times i find that it helps that i've been doing it for so long so it's like the little habits of like atomic habits or anything like that they're small little adjustment habits that you know done over a longer period of time they don't seem like they're anything um they're not hard or they're not a new habit you're not trying to change your lifestyle around it so i'm lucky kind of in the sense that i've had a good foundation off of those and then i just kind of pride prioritize on how I'm feeling like there's times where on say nutrition side that you know I'll have some time and counting macros is easy there's other times where I'm like hey I'm traveling a lot I'm not going to be counting macros and 
I intuitive eat and I just use these different small habits and kind of plug them in. I feel like I have like a library of small habits and I just plug them in according to where I'm at at that point. Uh, for me, training wise, if that's like a type of therapy for me, um, whether it's lifting weights, like recently I've gotten into running and the nice thing about running is that it's nice to get away from, I with bodybuilding, I was a lot in like, hey, how does your body look? to be on a stage and stuff like that and that trying to get from hey what's your body look like and what what is your body capable of doing and that kind of like brought me back into running plus I can study when I run because I just listen to my textbooks or podcasts on what I'm trying to learn so yeah I just try to find the balance between what's needed at that time and then I really go into understanding that when times are really busy and I have an exam coming up for school and you know I have more clients coming in or like different things like that but it doesn't have to be perfect and this was a hard thing that like I struggled with being in bodybuilding for so long is everything needed to be perfect your meals needed to be perfect your macros your cardio your water everything needed to be perfect and now being more in like general health and just trying to stay health and feel fit and feel confident in these different areas I'm like do you know what 80% is good enough sometimes or hitting this is good enough. And like I teach my clients a lot of that as well too, is that we always try to, when we want to make changes, I feel like a lot of people are like, hey, I want to make changes right now. I'm like, if you make 80% change over five years, you're going to be shocked on where you can be and how little work it's going to feel like compared to 12 weeks of a 180 lifestyle change. So long story short, just <laughs> just being able to like, stay on top of the little things and realize like, hey, that's good enough at times. I really like where you're coming from with that and the approach that you're taking, you know, how you mentioned, depending on what's going on in your life, especially because you have a lot going on and you're traveling and everything, there's different habits that you're plugging in, right? And it's, it's not the same all the time. I actually just talked about that on a recent podcast episode where now is not always the right time, right? And what I mean by that is like, sometimes now is not the right time to be in a super regimented diet, like you mentioned, like not tracking macros or now may not be the right time to be in the gym lifting five days a week or whatever. Yeah. It's just because of there might be bigger things going on, whether that's a bigger problem or a bigger adventure that you're on or something along those lines. But with all that being said, now is always the time to focus on health in some way and it sounds like you're doing that yeah and I love how you say that it's like you can still focus on health in some way and it doesn't have to be the whole thing at once and I feel like both of us working with clients we see this all the time like everybody wants to fix 20 years of problems in like two months and it's like I promise you if we do little things over five years or like the same amount of time like you're gonna see a major amazing changes. So I try to use a lot of the same stuff I teach with clients with myself, especially when it comes to travel. Like I will be flying, like I've been in the airport the last, well, flying commercially the last three Thursdays in a row for backswing events, plus flying myself four or five times a week. And it's like, you have to just be okay with knocking off some little things and moving on from the things that you can't do that day. For sure. And not only sometimes do clients, and believe me, I fell into this trap of you know at some yeah. point in my life as well but you know we, clients want to solve 10 years worth of problems in in, in four months but yeah. also they want to solve one problem with 
10 different approaches, meaning like a client will come to us and they'll say, okay, well, I want to lose weight. So I'm now going to do, I'm going to cut out carbs. I'm going to do intermittent fasting. I'm going to start a workout routine and I haven't been working out at all, you know, and all these things. And that's where we, you know, pull back sometimes we're like, whoa, 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 let's focus on one thing right now. Let's get really good at that. And, and then let's add the next thing and add the next thing if it's appropriate at that time. Yeah. And it's crazy because it's like so many people want to make it so much more complicated than it is, where it's like it doesn't have to be that complicated. You just have to be patient, which is so hard to do at the same time. Exactly. And like you mentioned, yeah. we don't we also don't need to be perfect. Right. But that's where that 80 yes. 20 approach comes in, which which I really love. And I think yeah. it's a, a great way to live. OK, transitioning. You mentioned this a few times and I'm super naive, but I want to hear more about it. What is a backswing event? Um, we have 190 female pros across the states and we're part, all part of a company called Backswing. And we go to different charity events all through the states and we fundraise money for them. Um, so we fly like Arizona alone. I think we have over 900 events uh, this year. And so every event, the coolest thing about it is that every event's a different charity. So we get sent to us like a couple weeks before, like what the charity is. We raise money for like women in construction, um, children's foundation, sporting teams, uh, like a bunch of different things. Uh, So it's really cool. And like we get to go out there and depending on the event, we set up on a golf hole um, as the tournament's out and we do like a beat the pro competition and fundraise money for that charity. Um, our company does a really good job of working with female pros to be able to, because anybody that's tried to play an individual sport at a professional level, the funding is totally different than a team sport. A team sport at a professional level, once you're on with the team, you've made the team, the funding from the team takes you to where you got to go. Right. If you think of an individual sport, there's no team. So funding a lot of the times is your own sponsorships. It's your own money. It's maybe some family, like depending on what it is, as you're building up through the mini tours, it's all funding out of your pocket. Right. So they tried to make this or they did make this uh, company where they are helping female pros be able to pay for events to get them into tournaments, to get them fund them for tournaments, but also us be able to give back to charity events. So it's so cool. I love working for them. So a lot of the people, maybe including yourself, I'm not exactly sure where you're at with this, but a lot of the women who are part of this do this for the charities, but also, you know, get paid out of it as well, but then are going off and and competing in pro tournaments. Yeah. So yeah, every female in that swing played, played or plays some professional level of golf. Um, so some of them are on tour with an Epson tour. Some are on tour with women's all pro tour. Um, some are long drive tour athletes. Like they all, we all have a pro card in golf and then go out and do these events. And it's so much fun. Like the amount of people that we get to meet and network with and talk to and like nothing feels as rewarding as like finishing a day and seeing like we raise close, like some events I've raised over $10,000 one day out there. And seeing like, hey, we're able to give back this huge chunk of money to this organization by being out there and helping them fundraise at their event. So it's really rewarding just like seeing the money that you raise and the um, foundations that you get to give back to. That's that's really awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm really glad I asked about that because I yeah. had no idea what it was. And, you know, in my mind, I was thinking it was some sort of like competition for 
like longest drive or something, which it sounds like is a whole other thing. Yeah, that that's a whole other do. thing. That, yeah, yeah. So that's as what well. I competed in as well was professional long drive, mm. which is like uh, pretty much like a grid that you have to hit your driver the longest, but stay within like 30 yards on the grid. And you just swing really fast and hit the ball really far. But that's, that's cool. yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fun too. Are you still doing that or no? No, that actually led to most of my injuries in golf. Um, I tore my spinal erector at Worlds in 2021, um, which led to coming back from it a little bit too quick. And I ended up with bulging discs in my L4, L5, L5, S1 and degenerative disc syndrome, joint syndrome. So that's actually what led me into going into aviation was my injury in golf and realizing, talking to some doctors and being like, hey, if I herniate this disc that that's probably going to be surgery before I'm 30 and not really knowing where that leaves my golf career so looking at options of in my head for aviation I was like I want a career that I travel as much as I do for golf so what does that leave me and my brother being a pilot was like hey you know there's a huge demand for pilots right now and I always had being a pilot in my head the same as like being a doctor or like I was like no I'm gonna need nine years of schooling like there's no way that's ever gonna happen like those people are way too smart I'm not smart enough to do that and like that was kind of my own limiting factor going into school again it's like I don't think I'm smart enough to do that so as much as we talked about the amount of confidence that I've had in sports and in competing I maybe have lacked some of that confidence when it came to school um, so going into aviation, like that was a big um, eye opener. And even being in school for the amount of time that I have and how I've been able to progress, I'm like, hey, like I can do this. I put the same mindset as I do in sports to the schooling. I can do it and I can make it happen and I can do amazing in this as well. So yeah, it was kind of a cool transition. So you've had a couple of these big injuries that, you know, it's, that, that's obviously... Mm-hmm in a way shaped the way that the next part of your life has gone, obviously with the concussion and hockey and, and then with the long drive competition with your back. So maybe that played a part, but what do you feel really like got you over that hump that, that gave you the confidence to be like, okay, these things happened. Flying planes could be something that really allows me to do those things. It's not something I felt confidence, but confident with, but let's go for it. Like, was there something that happened that really allowed you to take that leap? Um, I would say that I'm a person that takes a lot of leaps with being like, hey, I'm going to figure it out when I take that. Um, it can kind of drive my family crazy because they're like, what's, what's Katie about to do next kind of thing. But like for aviation, like that leap is I, I started looking actually at helicopters and military when I was like, got into the mindset of being like, hey, like, I want something that I'm going to travel with. I liked a lot with the military lifestyle in the sense of like the fitness and like the group. And like, just like having like that family Um, and I was going to go into helicopters and I don't know, it's just like, I did some searching on what's available helicopter wise, rotor wing wise outside of the military. And there wasn't as much as fixed. Um, I went up in with one of my friends who also does the backswing events and she flies jets um, out of Scottsdale. And I was like, do you know what? Like, this is what I'm thinking. Like, do you have some advice for me? And we went up in a... Cessna 172, if there's any plane listeners out there, it's a very small airplane with a single propeller. And we went up and as soon as those wheels got off the ground, I was like, yeah, this is, I don't know how I'm going to make this happen. I don't know 
the funding for school yet. I don't know where I'm going to go to school. I don't know how I'm even going to make it through the ground side of school, but I'm going to make this work because being up in the air just gave me a whole different feeling. Being in control of an airplane and looking down and seeing how small everything is. Like we know it when we fly commercial with like Southwest and stuff like that, but it's a different feeling when you're in that airplane, you're looking down and you're controlling that airplane. And that was a big turning moment for me where I was like, I don't know how I'm going to make this happen. But I'm really good when I want make my mind up that something's going to happen, that I'm like, it's going to happen. <laughs> and I try to put myself in every position to make that goal or make that dream possible. So that was kind of like a big turning point for me. Yeah. And it sounds like maybe even without realizing you did take a few small steps to like kind of get your foot in the door. Like you talked <laughs> to your friend who is in that world. You got up in an airplane, which was really the turning, turning moment. Right. Yeah. But you did take those couple of small steps first and then, and then it really hit, okay, this is truly something I want. So, so yeah. let's go for it. What does that, I'm curious, what does that schooling look like? Like how many years does it actually take? So my whole schooling, I'm in like an accelerated program. Uh, so it's like, it's a lot of schooling. Normally, if you're kind of just going through it slowly, you might fly one or two times a week. I'm flying up to five times a week, plus doing my ground schooling. So building all of my hours, um, I'll probably be two years at this rate. Wow. Um, yeah, which is going to be so. And that gets me all my licensing. And then I got to build 1500 hours before you go to airline. So I'll be working on that. And I have a couple different options uh, for that. Alaska is a different an option for that as well, too. There's a lot of flying up there to build your hour. Yeah, so that's kind of the plan. And then. I'm not 100% set on, hey, if I'm going to go to airlines or like I said, my friend there, like she flies jets and I'm like, that seems really badass. Like I want to fly jets. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of, I'm just leaving that open, but just knowing that this career is going to take me a bunch of different places. And I'm a person that loves to network and just see where life takes me in that time. Well, that's really awesome. And it's cool that you can go through this, you know, schooling and then have so many options and you don't necessarily have to decide right now, like what that is going to yeah. look like for you. A lot of times we look at it as like, hey, like airlines, right? Those are the planes we fly on. But aviation actually has a lot of different opportunities. And there's not a lot of female pilots as well. Female pilots are less, I think, than 5% of the pilot population, which is insane. So just, I don't know, being in an industry where hopefully be able to kind of like talk to females at maybe a younger age and be like hey like this is a career option for everybody right and I kind of did a lot of that in golf too like when I grew up playing golf I was one of the only girls that golfed right it was a very like the rest of the group were all boys there was very few females in that sport and now I'm in aviation and I see the same thing there's very few females in this industry and like one of my goals with it would be to you know, just be able to open the eyes of young females in sciences and flying and like these different career paths that have been looked at as a primarily male sport or career. So that's one of the cool things with it as well. Yeah, what a cool almost I mean, I don't want to say it's like a side piece to all of that, but a little bit, you know, to be able to inspire, like you're saying, the young generation to do the same. I actually also just interviewed she's a friend, but she's a former FBI agent and she was saying something very similar about that field as well and how yeah. it's, you know, she's actually retired now, but it's, you know, continues to be one of her goals when she comes across someone who she feels, you know, could potentially fit that mold. It's like, hey, yeah. is this something you've looked into? Because it's just historically not 
a field that women have really gotten into or pursued yeah. as much as males. And it's definitely you could you see it. You see it a lot with when you're in an airport. Like how many pilots do you see that are male compared to female, right? And we start seeing that at a young age if we're flying. And yeah, just to kind of break that barrier. And that kind of wraps around full circle the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but like to break that barrier of, hey, like this is I don't know, more of a male dominant area. Like let's start helping the younger generation to like see that this is an opportunity for them as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's really awesome. I'm I'm really excited to kind of see where this goes for you. Maybe I'll fly in an airplane that you're, <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. But one thing that I don't want to pass over because I really yes. did want to ask you about and, and hear more about your experience with was, or is the physique competitions. Yeah. Is that what you would call them or did you do bodybuilding? Because those are two different things. Right? Yes. So women's bodybuilding is like a big umbrella. And under the umbrella, you have like women's bikini, figure, uh, wellness is a new category now, fitness, physique, and then bodybuilding. So it's okay. like it's a bunch of subsections under with bikini being like the very small figures. And then figure was like broader shoulders, broader legs, like V taper. And then they just get progressively more muscular and different categories as you move but yeah so I started in that and oh that would have been like 2014 or 15 a while ago yes <laughs> so I was at a gym uh I was home from the summer from school and I was working at a gym just at the front desk and it seemed like everybody in that gym was getting ready for this competition and I was like what competition like what what is this <laughs> it's just like curiosity and um, it was a regional show is what they were getting ready for. So in bodybuilding, you do like a regional show and then you can build up if you place into provincial, which would be state. And then you build up and you go to nationals. If you place at nationals, you can go international. Uh, so I started and when I started uh, looking at like that same show everybody else was doing, I was like, okay, hey, I'm not big enough to be in figure. So I'm going to do bikini. Bikini is very, very, very feminine and very like high heels and like moving your butt and all these like very feminine moves and like my first posing practice I was like okay that's not me I was like <laughs> Let, let's let's back it up here because I don't think I can do that I can't do that in a gym in front of my coach I definitely cannot do that in front of people <laughs> so I was like okay let's maybe take this year off and let's work on my physique to get me into figure competitions um so that's what we did and we took um Took the year to build proper proportions to be in figure competition. Like I said, it was like the bigger shoulders, bigger back, bigger legs, and then like very small V-tapered waist is what we were like building for physique-wise. And then I went to that regional show and I placed okay. And then I was able to go to provincials right after that. But my coach was like, we're too small for provincials. Like, let's take another year. So we took another year. I worked my butt off, like listened to everything he said. And then we went to provincials the year later and I won provincials, which was wow. really cool. And that placed, excuse me, that placed me to go to nationals where I went, I think it was four or five weeks later. And I compete, I placed at nationals, which led me to be able to compete internationally. And then we took another year and a half off to build before going to the international level. And that's when I stepped on the Arnold stage in 2018. So it's crazy because I get a lot of clients or at the time when I posted a lot more of those pictures, I got a lot of people being like, I want to look like that. I want to look like that. And I had to be like, hey, I this was in 2018, but I started this in like four years ago, five years ago. Like that doesn't happen overnight. 
And I also explain a lot to people when it comes to bodybuilding and physique or figure competitions is when you're that deep into prep before a show, I was probably the most unhealthy (laughs) when I was that lean compared to how I am now. And a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their head around that because your body looks a certain way and they associate that with max amount of health. And I was like, no, that's like I didn't have my cycle. I my mood was all over. My hormones were all over the place. Like that was not a healthy state for my body to be in. So it was fun and exciting. But yeah, it definitely had a lot of like negative effects with it as well. Oh my gosh. I have so many questions I feel like yes. from, this, from this, but yes. okay. My first one is you talked about how you did, I think you said it was the provincials and then you won. And so then four weeks later you had nationals from, I, I know very little about this, but from what I see, at least on social media and stuff is like after event, generally a lot of people get to like take a deep breath and not have to continue to be that lean, but you yeah. had another competition four weeks later. So was that like hell (laughs) that that was the hardest that was the hardest four weeks as like normally because you like push yourself so hard for that show right and then yeah you're like exactly you take your foot off the gas and you have that little bit of time and you mentally prepare that way like hey you know what I only have two weeks of this left like I got this I can push this extra bit and then you finish and you're like I have four weeks of this now Like, I'm not done yet. If I want to keep going, I am not done yet. And you have to, like, adjust your mind to being like, I pushed so hard thinking that I was going to be done now. And now I have to keep going. And it's a bigger show. It's a whole different, like, you have to do the whole water cut again and, like, everything. And, yeah, it was hard. And, like, energy-wise, like, I don't think I slept so much. Like, that's how low my energy was. Like, I would get up. I'd do my cardio early in the morning. I do my meal prep. I was working. What was I working at that time? I think I was working at a supplement store and a little bit online. And like, I remember being in the supplement store and just being like trying to keep my head up. Like that's how exhausted my body was. And any. So what, what did the training look like? So most days um, I would have like five days, five or six days of weight training. And then on top of that, like when I was very close to competition, I had, depending on the day and what I was training, I had about an hour to up to 90 minutes of cardio in the morning and then 45 to an hour of cardio after. Wow. Yeah. And then on days that I wasn't weight training, we took out the PM cardio session and I would just have a morning one that would be a little bit longer. So I was in the gym every day. Like I, and I was a person with the mindset of like, hey, if I'm going to go and do morning cardio, like I'm going to be there at five o'clock in the morning. Or just like get it done as soon as I wake up. So like I knew the morning crew at the gym and then I knew the night crew at the gym. (laughs) And I was just like, yeah, and I did that for like four years. So that's where it's like now it took a lot of time to be like, hey, I don't need to be at that same level of training, that same level of food monitoring. Like I did the extreme side for so long. So it took a while for me to be okay with, hey, this is good enough, right? It's hard to kind of adjust that mindset. But yeah, it was it was very extreme for that amount of time. Obviously, off season, didn't have that much cardio and had more food. Um, But yeah, you definitely get a lot of bad habits after doing something that extreme. Well, yeah. And like like you said, you know, a while ago in 2014, when you started down this, you saw these people around you who were 
getting ready for some sort of competition and the competitor in you yeah. right was like i want in on this right and i so was like i can do all that the way back yeah that brings us all the way back to the beginning of the interview where you know we were talking about that competitive nature and that's what got you in on it but it not that it backfired because it didn't that whole four years was i'm sure an experience and and yeah. you accomplished a lot i mean that that's really really awesome what you did and, and you probably learned a lot about yourself in that time but it sounds like maybe part of what you learned was there's a way to have more balance than this, right? And oh, maybe yeah. and maybe find way other ways to to get your competitiveness out. Yes, and that's exactly where it led to. It led to like I competed in CrossFit right after figure competition because I was like, these girls are ginormous at this level, and there's a lot of other things that go into bodybuilding that I was like, I don't want to do that to be at that level. And but I was like, I need that competitive drive. And with bodybuilding, the one thing I struggled with, and it lasted for a long time, it's a lot better now, but it's like you're getting judged on your body, right? You are literally getting judged for your proportions, for your body fat, for all these things where I'm like, I want to work my butt off and then I want to show up to a competition, work even harder and then get rewarded. Like not off of, hey, like, you know, your hair didn't match your suit or something like that. I'm like, that doesn't matter. I did all my cardio. (laughs) I'm like, I've worked so hard for this. So that's what led me into CrossFit is being like, hey, like CrossFit, you can compete and you can train really hard when nobody's looking, but then you can show up and you can even train harder in competition and be rewarded for it. So that's what led to that, right? Shortly after, shortly after. Yeah. And I mean, we we won't get into this too much because this gets (laughs) into the... Well, yeah, and uh, but I was going to talk about the the hormone piece of things because you mentioned that and just how, I mean, that's something that we deal with with clients, obviously clients who are getting close to the perimenopause stage and, and menopause stage, but it, I mean, it's talked about some, but how athletes who are really pushing their bodies to the extremes, women athletes can deal with a lot of backlash when it comes to hormones as well. And obviously during the physique competition, you were. Yeah. And it it was hard after when you like come out of it to regulate that. Like you don't realize how long it takes to fully regulate that. And like that doesn't just go for figure competitions. That also goes for general population that we work with that always extreme diet. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they wonder like, hey, like I'm always extreme dieting. I'm eating so little amount of food, but I'm not getting results I want. It's like, hey, I can relate to this. (laughs) Right. Like, yeah, Yeah. it's, it's really crazy what the body can do and how it adjusts to those circumstances. So on top of the aviation school that you're going to, which sounds very intense and taking up a lot of your time right now, you also are doing some nutrition coaching as well right now, right? Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah, pretty much backswing, flying, and yeah, I still, I love working with people. I've worked with people for seven plus years, so it's hard not to even keep that at a small capacity for me. Okay. I feel like we've talked about like so much in a matter of 50 minutes. So thank you for being here. But before we wrap up, I do end all of my interviews with a rapid fire round where the goal is to answer every question in one word to one sentence max. And obviously if it's not that, that's okay, but, but that's the goal and just kind of like first thing that comes to mind. So are you up for it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Awesome. I, the competitive person in you, I know, was going to be like, all right, everybody, let's go. <laughs> all right. So question number one is, what is one thing you're doing right now that makes you very excited? Uh, running. Ooh, cool. 
I was like expecting it to be flying, but yeah, you, <laughs> you just started running too. Okay. And number two, what has been the hardest part of your sports career? Injuries. Fair. Number three, if there was one sport you haven't played or, or haven't played professionally that you could snap your fingers and be great at right now, what would it be? Tennis or snowboarding. I don't know. Mm. They're so close. <laughs> Tennis actually would be mine too. I think it'd be so cool to be a, a pro tennis player for like I, so I, I think so I think so too I'm like I love snowboarding and I think it'd be really cool to do that but I also don't want to be in the cold full time so but we'll yeah. probably go with tennis <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right number four is what is the one thing that will get you the most competitive oh a, any bet or any time that somebody is like I don't know. I'll do this better than you. I'm like, okay, let's, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. Number five, last one. What's the best advice you've ever received? Um, that, I know this sounds like kind of cliche, but like anything that you put your mind to, you can do. I know it came from my dad is like anything that you decide that you want to do, you can do. It might be hard work and it might suck at times, but we're, as humans, we're capable of a lot more than we think we're capable of. And that's not cliche, right? To be able to yeah. believe that and, and be told that and then truly believe it and go and put that into practice can get people really far in life. So that's awesome. Well, thank you, Katie, so much for being here thank with you us. For having me. And yeah, doing this interview. For anyone who's listening who wants to check out more about Katie, what she's up to, or even hit her up for nutrition coaching, you can find her on Instagram at it's Coach KG if you're interested in that. And I'll also link that in the bio for this episode. So yeah, I'll say it one more time. Thank you so much for for being part of the Making Changes Breaking Barriers podcast. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. It was a lot of, of fun. Of course. Of course. Well, like always, I will leave you guys with this. Changing your path will not be easy. It will be challenging. I'll say that over and over again, but it will be worth it. So do a self-check today. Are you on your path up your mountain? And if not, what path are you on? Thank you.